oh, we are just all human. And in that recognition of common humanity comes a lot of forgiveness, comes a lot of space for imperfection. You know, it's like, hey, we're just doing the best we can in this moment if your heart is pointing in the right direction. But we're all just human. You know, we're not Superman. This is the Mindfulness Experience Podcast. My name is Keith Fiveson. On this podcast, I spoke with Laura Burland, who is the founder and executive director of the Nonprofit Center for Compassionate Leadership. I had a great time speaking with Laura as she shared the principles and practices of compassionate leadership. She is a wise woman who is a serial entrepreneur who worked with many Fortune 500 media tech companies as a meditation teacher, yoga therapist, executive mentor, and digital creator. Laura is one of the most inspiring women that I've ever met. She stands for a world where compassionate leadership is the norm, not the exception. We spoke about the Center for Compassionate Leadership and how individuals and organizations can build awareness, resilience, trust, innovation, diversity, belonging, inclusion, courage, connection, and compassion. I had a lot of fun talking with Laura about compassion and mindfulness, and also about how to make the world a better place. I hope you enjoy the show. Hey, 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 Laura Berland. Oh my goodness, what is going on? Oh my goodness, how are you? It's so really good to see you with all my heart. It's so nice to know you're here. Thank you for being here. Thank you, uh, thank, thank you Keith, for this beautiful invitation and such a lovely reception. Like, I feel received and honored you to are. be with you. You thank are. You. And, and thank you know, you. I, um, I so admire you, and I know you for so many years. We won't say how many years, but I know you oh. for so many years. And... Uh, <laughs> And I really feel uh, all all along I've I really looked up to you as as a as a role model. You've done some incredible work, and now you're the founder and the executive director for the Center for Compassionate Leadership, and you've been have so many iterations and so many like past lives, and I I've known you through a lot of those lives. Uh, tell me, um, you know, you've been a CMO uh, with Neil deGrasse Tyson, and uh, you've been involved in strategic strategic digital content, the CEO, you've been involved with all these areas, uh, so many of them, you know, ephemeral in some regard. I mean, you know, technology is, 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 is like that. But now you're involved in this other kind of technology, this inner technology, this inner wisdom with the Center for Compassionate Leadership. Tell me why compassion and what's it got to do with leadership? <laughs> What's love got to do with it? Everything. What's love got to do with it? Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, here comes the music and the song. That's great. Thank you. No, it really is all about love. And I, I feel that um, in the earlier part, in, in, <laughs> in the early days when I was a, a youngin, you know, my my passion was really around technology as a means for connecting people, mm-hmm. as a means for education and to promote flourishing and thriving. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. It's fair to say technology's taken a bit of a mm. a turn off off the path of being a benefit for all, mm. and hopefully we can, you know, realign mm. some basic human. So when you say it's taken a path off, you mean it's that it's really separated us in some way, or or annihilated us, or or numbed us, or is it another numbing device? Is that all? Is all it, of the all above. above. I'm, all of the above. You and I might remember we used to have pagers. <laughs> I, had, I, I was an early pager guy. That's true. I, you know, I thought I thought it was I thought it was the panacea for mankind. Technology. Yeah, and we were on call all yeah. the time, right? Yeah. And uh, when was that? Decades and decades ago. Well, These don't things don't say. matter anymore. But everybody is holding, you know, a device in their hand or their pocket or um, on their wrist that is pulling their attention outward on a constant basis and on a basis that is really tapping into uh, the innate pathways in the body that uh, create addiction, that create suffering, mm. um, certainly so say, some... When, let me interrupt you. So when you say the innate pathways, you're talking about our, um, our, our, our capability to be intuitive, to have a, a sense of self, a sense of other, a sense of the world around us, or is it, or, or is it more intrinsic than that? Is it sort of a, you know, a, a care? love compassion as you're as you're involved oh, is that what you mean i wish it was tapping into those things no it's tapping into dopamine uh -huh. <laughs> cortisoling uh -huh. creating stress and okay. suffering the technology, and take, uh, the got, technology it's by, it's is i got it it's bypassing those capabilities got it, it is and we're losing our sense of self and the inner landscape and the ability to focus and pay attention and so um my hope is that the values and the ethics in the current business of technology is is becoming aware of how off track we've gotten back to my initial comment and um looking for ways i you know technology is part of our our world at this point in time and may even help us save the world at this point in time, but not without the help of art. So mm -hmm. I really feel as if, um, you know, technology needs to come back and, and the designers and the creators of new technology. And it's so beautiful that technology has become so widespread and democratized. So it is so much more accessible to people and uh, it's also pulling us in directions as a human species that are frankly dangerous. So there, there's a lot of, mm. of uh, mm. stuff to unpack in the technology space. So, but what was your question? Yeah, so well, why, why compassion? And I think why I, compassion. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I just want to, I just want to get back to what you just said because I think there is a collective trauma that's gone on using technology, right? There is that uh, idea that we're 24-7 wired in, that we're wired into the news cycle, that we're wired in. It's the TikTok, you know, ADD has gone beyond ADD. It's sort of micro ADD. 
you know, uh, it's that whole idea that we are uh, who we are based on the way the world sees us or the way we see the world, you know, mm. right? I mean, so you're, and, and it, it, it's not about that. You're getting, you're stripping that away. And you're mm -hmm. saying, no, te technology is one thing, but underneath that is compassion. And I, I want to understand that. Why compassion? Mm -hmm. Is it were, you know, is it, 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 why are you doing what you're doing? And is it working? <laughs> I mean, our basic fundamental human nature mm -hmm. is to be caring toward each other. This was how we survived and evolved as a species. And our modern way of living, including technology, including competition, including many aspects of, of the way the world operates today has stripped us of that fundamental awareness and the capacity to feel that natural compassion arise within ourselves mm -hmm. so if we're busy running 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 24 7 click 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 mm -hmm. we're not listening and feeling these mm -hmm. natural mm -hmm. signals from our body and from our community and from the collective that enable us to flourish and thrive and that's why i feel that um you know, humanity really needs to wake up to its true compassionate nature. It's not like we have to learn this stuff. We just need to get things out of the way to mm -hmm. allow it to come forth. Mm -hmm. I like that. I like that a lot. And, uh, you know, I was uh, uh, speaking with someone uh, recently. We were talking about uh, the whole idea of uh, uh the collective, the whole idea of the me, the we, the us, and the fact that we're in a society that, you know, certainly Western culture is really individuated. You know, if you're not someone, if you're not your own person, if you're not your own identity, you know, and you are not connected, you are your stuff, you are your work, you are, you know, and I think a lot of that's changing. So um, we're, you know, the whole a framework for our talk is around the mindfulness experience and you're really focusing in on the area of compassion. So how does mindfulness fit in that? You know, mm. what does mindfulness have to do with compassion? You know, is yeah. it, you know, I mean, I can get a hug, but is it a mindful hug or, you know, do, <laughs> I mean, what is it about hugging or, you know, what is it about? Ah, the true Keith <laughs> comes out. <laughs> I love that you brought up uh, the collective and the issue of separation versus connection, because that to me is really at the core of everything. And I feel like there almost is no separation between mindfulness and compassion. If you look at academic definitions of compassion, it all starts with mindfulness slash awareness, however you want to define it. You have to notice mm -hmm what's happening if i'm just coming in to hug you and i'm just sort of like running into you in the street <laughs> there's no you know without even seeing you coming toward me or you know i'm just gonna smack my heads with you <laughs> but if i see you and i feel something naturally um you know i relate to you i Right. I sense you, all of these aspects of mindfulness um, 
which I really love to think of for myself more as awareness, just a wholehearted, whole-bodied, non-separate awareness. Right. Okay. So there is that there is that sense of um, not only having the awareness of me, but having the awareness of you. And, uh, you know, uh, I love this quote, uh, Mark Leonard uh, quoted it, you know, I, I relate, therefore I am, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, the whole idea of relationship, you just reminded me of, you know, mm -hmm. if you don't have a framework to go ahead and be in relationship to, then, you know, what, what, you know, you can be a mindful sharpshooter, but, you know, what do you, how, you know, how, how are you really relating to people and what does it, mm -hmm. what does it mean? So do you teach these tools? at the Compassionate Leadership uh, Institute, the Center for Compassionate it's Leadership. A, thank you. It's the Center for Compassionate Leadership. Um, yes, absolutely, because we feel it's so important to wake up these skills and to develop these uh, capacities within leaders because leaders have the leverage point to accelerate things fast and dare i say you know as a planet as a people we are rushing very quickly toward uh an outcome that does not bode well so i feel a very profound sense of urgency hmm. to illuminate mm -hmm. the potential that exists within all of us as individuals, as a collective, within organizations. And leaders have the sphere of influence to bring about change at a pace that I think we, we, we must uh, accelerate. Right. You know, you know um, at the center, uh, how, do you, how do you actually... How do you do that? I mean, you know, because there are people who are toxic. There are people who are coming in from dysfunctional backgrounds and mm. and uh, dysfunctional relationships. I mean, what does that really look like? Is it a is it a group effort? You know, do people, you know, do people have practices that uh, they they implement? What is, can you share with that a little bit for a listener? Sure. So, I mean, the principles work from the inside out, right? We, we have to start with what's going on inside, whether we're a CEO or whether we're a mid-level person or just a team member or mate or a farmer. You know, we all have to start on the inside. And we uh, work together in community because I am a very uh, strong believer that we cannot become ourselves by ourselves mm -hmm. that transformation is really you know we need bandmates <laughs> to move right. along the path and we learn from each other right. it's not like anybody has a magic formula it's like we and i want to bring us back to what you said before about um you know being in relationship what that means to me is really appreciating the field between us and feeling into the pot that it's like fertile soil. There is like potential in the field between us. 
And we have to come together to both recognize each other and recognize our potential. Yes, we all have individual assignments, so to speak, and how to contribute. Mm -hmm. And yet we need each other to to light each other up and do the work. This is not this is this is not like baking cookies. This is not like baking cookies. Oh my goodness. Uh I don't know where that came from. I, no, I love that. I, but the whole, but suddenly I have a, you know, a, a visceral memory of the smell of baking cookies. So. Mm, which is a yummy thing. And I was just looking for something that's super simple, you know, and we want it to be easeful too. You know, it, this, this work that we are committed to as evolving humans on the planet right now, this takes a lot of courage. Mm -hmm. takes a lot of bravery to face what is uh to face and name what actually is and then to work collectively to find solutions right so so if i look at some of the basic uh principles of uh, mindfulness you know there's mm -hmm. there's like uh, breathing processes there is attention processes there is awareness processes so these are all about, you know, mind, body, senses, the ability to go ahead and be embodied, right? And then there yes. is sort of the higher practices, which really are about imprinting, about, uh, you know, having some values, some core values that really uh, allow you to, you know, put in place when you get into that point where you have that gap. I think you said something, um, you know, about, um, uh, intention, awareness, and courage, you know, mm. in your practice, right? The whole idea of having, when you're in that spot between stimulus and response, when you're yes. in that bit of that gap and the more you practice, the wider the gap, you have a choice. What right. do you put in that gap? How do you go ahead and face that? How do you look at that? And how do you mm. go ahead and seed it with the right intention, right? Mm. With the wider, and the right courage. So, can you talk to that? Because I, I, I have a sense that that's intrinsic to the kind of work you're doing. Is that yeah. true? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love that you started from from the place of embodiment, mm -hmm. because that is fundamental to all the work. Right. Mm -hmm. You have to not only like mentally process that all of this stuff matters. You have to embody it. You need to feel it. You need to live it in every cell of your body and mm -hmm. every breath that you take. You know, my in-breath is your right. out-breath. But it's a practice. Versa. It's a practice. You're not perfect, right? You're, you can't. You, you're oh, not perfect. <laughs> I, I, I sign up to 100% imperfection. Thank you. Because but that's, the intention that is to do it, right? The, the intention is where our embodied sense of purpose mm -hmm. and where our embodied sense of caring and kindness mm -hmm. leads us. Mm -hmm. So I can be, I can show up with a lot of intentionality when I wake up in the morning because I can feel into what am I here to do? and. Where do I put my energy and where my attention goes, my energy follows, right? Um, and where that goes, transformation follows, mm -hmm. you know? And 
facing the things between intention and transformation does take a whole bunch of courage. So I sometimes can muster up the courage I need and sometimes I'm I'm challenged to be as brave as I know I need to be. There's this thing called fear that shows up or doubt. False evidence <laughs> appearing real. Yes. <laughs> you know, and because we are all human, these are human tendencies that we have and certainly illuminated and amplified because of our cultural mm -hmm. conditioning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I can't do that or who am I to do that or mm. all those difficult questions that show up that keep mm -hmm. you from moving into action and action is where we all need to be mm -hmm. you know i i love that you um frame it that way because it, it isn't perfect and one of the things that you started out with before was about really recognizing this sort of i, I call it liminal space the space between you and me that mm. really is uh, a space of unknowing you know, it's an unknowing space, but within the context of con uh, confines of a relationship, and everyone is in relationship, we're either in relationship with ourselves or relationship with the world, there is that opportunity to have a conversation. You know, if, you, mm. if you're able to be aware of it, to be embodied with it. Um, so within the work that you do, do you help individuals create the space, create the safe containers? to go yeah. ahead and have those conversations, which can be very difficult and very challenging to compassion? Absolutely, and I think leaders are especially fearful mm. of having those moments where they expose their vulnerability and they, they have to admit they don't know everything because none of us know much of anything, <laughs> just as you, you said. We yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some people think they do, yeah. yeah. And at moments, we all think we do. I think that uh, that goes with a lot of our, um, again, our cultural attunement to what what brings success and competition and so forth. But um, the the space, the space, creating the space. Thank you. So. I feel that until you experience that sense of safety, connection, and belonging for yourself, it's almost impossible to create a culture or an environment or a team or an organization that can live in that sort of uh, sense of safety. And until somebody really feels that, if if you and I are in the room and you feel threatened by me on some level, you're not going to bring your whole self forward. You're going to, you know, have your heart defended. You're going to. Yeah. So, yes, we we help uh, leaders understand what that feels like by being in community that is safety, connection and belonging. And we do this over eight-week trainings and we do this over a uh, long-term community um, and then they can cultivate that sense in their own um, field of, of uh, action their right. own site of action whether it's an organization or a family or a community or wherever it is but I think somebody really needs to 
understand what that means and practice it. Mm -hmm. Now, I've been on I've been on one of your community calls, and I have to say, you've done just an excellent job uh, online. I mean, you know, through a Zoom room, being able to do breakouts and being able to have regular practice, mm -hmm. you've done an excellent job with very quickly creating community or, or, you know, and, and I think it's, I think it's based on the, the, the tone and the intention that you uh, ask people to bring into it and, you know, the discussion. Mm -hmm. um, so when you look at uh, intention, awareness, and courage, uh, those really, those words really go into practice. I'm wondering, you wrote a article uh, about the four steps to overcome negativity bias, because I think that's, for many people, that's a real challenge. I mean, negativity bias, we're, we're sort of prone to, you know, whether or not it's, uh, I, I don't I don't know whether or not it's just uh, science or what what it is. I mean, I, you know, but you, you had some ideas about that. Can you can you speak mm. to that for a moment? Do you, you remember sure. that? Or <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Awareness, kindness, common humanity. And practice. Those were the four. Okay. So yeah. The four were okay. mindful awareness, practice and kindness, recognize you're not alone, and keep practicing. Right. right? So, right. so is that is that a, is that is that like the secret? Is that the secret sauce? I I I certainly believe it is because you know this sense to orient ourselves to danger to threat to fear to negativity this negativity bias which is well researched and understood scientifically you know is what pulls us backward all the time i kind of see that hook what was that called like in vaudeville you know where they hooked somebody on the neck and they dragged them off the stage that was definitely a hook i don't know <laughs> there was a hook but we have this negative hook as humans i mean if if i asked you to think about um mm -hmm. what transpired in the last day you'd probably mm -hmm. come up with 10 negative things and maybe one good thing right. which is just yeah. sort of our orientation and the orientation of our brain to focus on threat and danger our brain is not wired even though we get um mm -hmm. neurobiological rewards from focusing on what's good it's not our natural orientation so we have this paradox always pulling us between positive and negative Mm -hmm. So we have to pay attention. We have to bring awareness to the situation. We have to make space for this kindness to arise. And then we need to remember the not alone part is really about common humanity. Like, mm -hmm. oh, we are just all human. And in that recognition of common humanity mm -hmm. comes a lot of forgiveness, comes a lot of space for imperfection mm. you know it's like hey we're just doing the best we can in this moment if your heart is pointing in the right direction but we're all just human you know we're not superman and then the practice part is so essential just because of the hook right you have to come back and come back and come back and come back again and there's no like reaching a goal there's no place where oh i've finally gotten to the top of the practice mountain i'm done mm -hmm. we're never done we're always having to reacquaint and remember mm -hmm. who the truth of who we are 
Yeah, well, that's uh, it, it. Actually, I was going to ask you another question, but I I feel like your answer or what you just talked about in those four those four keys uh, four steps uh, really answers the you, because you had another post that says we can recall when we were so when we surmounted or when we overcame uh, what seemed impossible. Why then are we so available to be our worst enemy and create our <laughs> own obstacles? Right. So it's that negativity uh, bias. Yeah. yeah, totally. Do you have a do you call your inner critic? Do you have a name for your inner your inner uh, mean yeah, guy? Actually, I actually do. I have a I, <laughs> I'm one of those people that have a name. You know, I, I, should I share my name? Oh, this is the first it's, time. It's your platform, I'm baby. I'm going public with my name. <laughs> my, my inner name, my inner critic name is Morris. Oh. <laughs> Morris, you, Morris is at it again. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> I know. I go from Keith to Morris. It's really it's mind-boggling. How do how do I do that? Is Was it, it because of a BG or no? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. It's like oh, I can't believe we just came back from a vacation. The plane was late. Oh my goodness. Oh, and you know, I, I can't believe there was a big line. How was that? Oh, it was terrible. It rained the day we got there. Oh, yeah. But and I honor. Imagine Cancun. <laughs> I honor so deeply that you have this deep sense of awareness that that voice is so prevalent that you would actually honor it with a name. Mm-hmm. And in the naming, it probably <laughs> lets Morris calm down a yeah. little. And it gives my wife a little bit of uh, something to chew on. Okay, Morris. Okay, sign this. <laughs> sign the. It's a. It's a. It's a handle. It's a. It's really something that we can hold on to. You know. It's. I uh, love that. I love that. But hey, yeah. No. I mean, as soon as we accomplish you, wait, something. Wait, 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 wait! I'm not going to yeah. let you know that. Do you have an? Do you have a name? <laughs> You're in a critic. <laughs> my on. name changes <laughs> i have a lot of different oh, 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 uh, okay. inner right. selves they they each have their own little domain yeah yeah <laughs> not just one name but many i get it okay. many many names simple yes many critics many names let's yeah. just put them all under the civil umbrella that's great <laughs> But but we digress, please. <laughs> yeah. So no, no we. I think. No. Okay. I think acknowledging the power of our inner critic, and discussing practices that allow us to move beyond that, mm. one of the most fundamental things we all need to do, mm. just to be happy, healthy people of purpose on the planet. I love that. So that's really integrating. It's not it's not separating or being divisive. It's really saying, "Oh, there you Oh, it's okay. I hear you. There you go again. Oh, yeah. Come on. Okay, come here." So you reckon it's the rain thing. You recognize, you accept, you inquire, and then you nurture, right? You, you nurture. I invite Sybil to have tea with me exactly. <laughs> so that I am not mm-hmm. creating more inner conflict yeah here's the deal yeah yeah here's the deal just what you said keith if we're in conflict if we're in denial it's gonna come back tenfold Mm. 
-hmm. And the more welcoming and accepting and allowing we can be with our the parts of ourselves that we may not like, mm. the parts of ourselves that may be very wounded and very challenged and be, very traumatized. Mm. Because if we don't do that within our individual self, we, how are we going to do it as a collective, mm. right? Mm. So it's it's so important to think, and that's where the I'm not alone comes in, because mm. we are all... <laughs> dealing with all of this all the time and so is there really any separation between my wounded heart and the wounded heart of the collective no mm. you know and uh, i think the work you're doing is so important and it's so vital because when you start taking a look at communities organizations are really the communities of the 21st century, right? They're, they they are the communities where people go to uh, often to seek refuge for lives that might be very, very complicated to yeah. you know, not only make a living, but this is where their friends are. This is where their, their buddies are. And if they can't find a safe place to be that's nurturing, that holds them and lifts them up, then, you know, what is what's the possibility of changing the world? period. Mm, right. Exactly. Yes. So, well so how do people find you, Laura, uh, at the Center for Compassionate Leadership? <laughs> um, we're a nonprofit. So we're www.centerforcompassionateleadership.org. Uh, .org. Yeah. And on most social channels, we're at Being Compassion. On LinkedIn, we're the Center for Compassionate Leadership, and um, I, I, I'm so grateful to be able to uh, share these thoughts and share the opportunity for people to grow and develop mm -hmm. so that we can all continue to contribute. Yeah, and I want to lift up the work that you do uh, because it's not just about... Uh, you know, you building, obviously, communities, which is at the heart of it all uh, in organizations and helping leaders to go ahead and do that. But you also lift up a lot of um, uh, information specifically around compassion, about books that are out and, 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 yeah. and channels. What will people find when they go to your website? Ah, uh, the website has gotten pretty, pretty rich <laughs> over the past. We're just about to sort of take a step back and look at what's mm -hmm. what's on there but there's three years worth of weekly articles and blogs there are book recommendations and reviews there's a lot of research that we point to because everything we do is evidence-based and the beauty of this time is that the science is catching up with the wisdom and we can for people who need the data point to the data it's there so we carry a lot of that and then i will also just uh mention that we do a it used to be a weekly newsletter mm -hmm. now it's every other week or so and um, we highlight research articles case studies and um, events that are going on that are of interest to leaders in the field well, it's uh, just a rich, rich website. And, uh, you know, you've just done just such a tremendous job. And I'm really so honored and uh, really 
uh, love you and care for you. And uh, I, I and I said that so everyone hears it. Laura Berland, an absolute wonderful person. Visit her uh, website. Take a look at the work she's doing. And uh, how would people get a hold of you through the website? Um, sure. Or Laura Berland at gmail.com. And I just want to say this isn't about me. This is about, you know, all the great work that people are doing throughout the world. Great the researchers, team. the scientists. The, the people in leadership development and organizations, the leaders themselves. Again, this is a this is a team effort. Like nobody's right. <laughs> going to fix the world alone. We yeah, really do need it's a each other. It's a collective effort to go ahead and deal with what I think is collective trauma. So, uh, you know, I, I, I think the work you're doing is outstanding and essential, and uh, I'm glad to be a part of it. So I just want to thank you again for being here, thank for you. showing up. And uh, um, and can I thank you as well for all your presence and passion that you put in the world, all the great work and helping people sort of recognize, you know, the inner truth, their inner self. Mm, I love you. you as well as all you do. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. And uh, this is a non-paid announcement. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for being a part of the Mindfulness Experience podcast. I hope you enjoyed this compassionate and honest conversation with Laura Berland. I also hope that you gained some insights about how organizations and leadership teams can incorporate compassionate training into their development programs to create better leaders. Please follow the podcast to connect with future ones as well. Subscribe, leave us a review, and suggest topics that you'd like to hear. Connect with us on social media platforms. Visit our website at workmindfulness.com for more mindfulness experiences. Thank you again. See you on the next show. Take care.